We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week, let's dive into the music with Matthew Mitchum. And our panel, Tommy Dean, Rebecca DeUnamuno and Tahir. And our audience this week, drawn from the towns of Ganada, Malgawi, Turret, Kuros, Heads, Vakai, Summerhill and Willoughby. But first... Here, as always, is the news from nowhere. The council in the Welsh city of Cardiff has installed yellow lighting at selected spots to prevent teenagers from congregating. The coloured lighting highlights their pimples, (laughs) making them look unattractive. Thus, they move on. Now, this may seem unfair on the young until you realise the rest of the world has been busy installing equipment that moves on middle-aged people in just the same way. Take, for example, the experience of shopping in the Sydney CBD. The whole experience is now designed to enrage and confuse all but the very young. Wandering around town the other day, I I tried to buy a T-shirt only to discover the one I liked, the one I'd taken up to the counter ready to buy and, and, and pay, was stained. So I said to the young man, do you have one of these T-shirts without the stain? And he frowned uh, and looked puzzled and obviously wondered how to explain to me. And he said, it's not really a stain, sir. (laughs) And I couldn't understand him. So I said, look here and, and showed him the patch of darker dye in the spot where the pocket might normally go. It's designed to be there, he said. And paused, trying to find the words. He said, the idea, sir, he kept on calling me sir. The idea, sir, is that this is an old favourite T-shirt, one you've had for years, so old that the pocket has fallen off. So there's a darker patch where the pocket used to be. And then he smiled helpfully. You mean I said the pocket that was never there in the first place. Yes, he said. But the pocket that would have been there had there been a pocket which then fell off because you wore the T-shirt too much. Now, I don't know how much they're paying this young man, but it's not enough. The T-shirt in my hand was so complex in its conceptual underpinnings that the prospective customer required an integrated essay by Roland Barth. As I stood there, I found myself wondering how they explain the phantom pocket to the Chinese workers who make this stuff. So let me... So let me get this right, says the foreman at the number one factory in Shanghai. You want the T-shirt to look as if we made it so badly that it had a pocket, but then the pocket fell off. Well, yeah, kind of, yeah, that's right. Sir, it would be easier for us to just add the pocket. Then you'd have a pocket. It's very useful for putting things in. We don't want a pocket, mate. Well, that too is easy. We'll just make it without a pocket. No, we want it to look as if it once had a pocket. In the fetid atmosphere of the non-air-conditioned factory in Shanghai, the men are left staring at each other in mutually assured incomprehension. Back in the shopping mall, I smiled and handed over my money. I'll have two of them, I announced. And the nice young man wrapped them up, two t-shirts identically stained by a pocket that never was. I'm happy enough with my purchase. On the downside, the phantom pockets prove that Western society has collapsed into madness. On the other hand, well, the neckline rather suits me. (laughs) I I take my parcel and move rapidly on. Wandering the streets, I attempt to buy a pair of pants to go with my stained T-shirts. It's pretty much impossible. For the over-30s, the windows of most shops form little more than further shouted instructions to move on, move on, there's nothing for you here. 
much like what happened to the kids of Cardiff with their illuminated pimples. And so today we join them in opposition to age-based oppressions in all its many guises. Comrades, will you join me? And that's the news from nowhere. Uh, our panel is here. Tommy, Rebecca, are here. Welcome. I like uh, the optimism that you have that uh, Chinese factories care. <laughs> well, they've, got to describe, they've got to get them to do it, OK? So, I mean, the other issue for the Chinese factories is, you know, all the distressed genes. Yeah. So I, I saw a pair of shorts the other day. We were not only ripped, they were ripped all mm. on the bottom, but then they were kind of ripped along the top too and there were great gouging pieces out in the bum and the front and the side. I've got heaps of clothes like that. <laughs> yeah, but yours are just because oh, you're too cheap to buy anything yeah, new. Right. How do they explain that to the Chinese worker? How do they say, you've made a perfectly decent pair of shorts, now rip them to shreds so we can send them to Sydney? <laughs> And charge McDonald's are using classical music, weren't they? Like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. That's... That was the other story this week, that yeah. McDonald's in Glasgow, Argyle Street, Glasgow, has had so much violence and now piping in bark at 3am in order to calm things down. But we, we've, we've used, ordered, used that here as well. I know the Bankstown McDonald's has definitely used the classical music. I don't music. know, you have to be careful because they did this uh, in, the, <laughs> no, in the late 80s. Uh, there was a, an area near the university, uh, sorry, the uh, Arizona State University, big college mm-hmm. area. Uh, there was a block they used to close down on the weekend for fun, uh, but it soon became very uh, youth gang oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they started, the idea was to put up big speakers and pipe in classical music. Uh, but then one day uh, they played Flight of the Bumblebees <laughs> and the biggest gang fight of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was cinematic in its epicness. <laughs> And they came back every weekend. <laughs> Give us the ride of the Valkyries next time. So good. Yeah. All right. let's, uh, let's check you up with, uh, with this week's news. Who discovered they were in a position to send a message to Darwin? Oh, this would be um, our favourite North Korean leader. Uh, Kim Jong-un, who he's, um, he's launched a missile, is it? Is that what it is? Yes. It's a, a weapon. And it landed, it was at 930 kilometres uh, away, but it was shot kind of upwards uh, and not at a sort of straight trajectory. And they say that if it was, then it could reach Darwin. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit... Alaska or Darwin? Alaska or Darwin, both very similar. Um, so yeah, so that's it. it, it I uh, I don't know. There was a photo. I saw a photo of um, of when them all looking up. Did you all see the photo of every of Kim Jong Un and everyone looking up? <laughs> Everyone's going. There was a great caption put on there that said, "Where'd it go?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but it's curious. It's right. it's Darwin. Great. You've got to just look at that photo. Just when they were going, like, where did it go? It just looks exactly like that. I just think it, I, I'm, 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 ter- I'm scared. I have to admit, I'm, I'm scared. If you were in Darwin, you'd move out, would you? Move no, I, well, I'm considering moving out of the world. I don't like the world at the moment. Stop the world. I want to get off. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. But I'd like to see us. Def- I'd, I'd like us to see some sort of maybe Darwin. It's a good question, back. though. Where, where did it get? Does it come back down, or what, what happens? Yeah, when it, once it goes up. It usually comes down. I think we're overseas. I mean, I I appreciate the people of Darwin, but it's always so hot there. (laughs) (laughs) But I think a nuclear wind would cool them down. (laughs) (laughs) Whoosh, they'd be like, ooh, that's refreshing. (laughs) 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 Quite nice. This is the best wet season ever. (laughs) And it's weird to me that, that that North Korea is still... Like, you know, apparently, you know, according to the story, I mean, if they're on the edge of nuclear and missile technology, but they still haven't apparently uh, invented the protractor. Like, the pro, oh, the, pro- yes. the protractor yeah, would have yeah. allowed them to find the 45-degree angle, which I is the optimum launch. There's a guy holding it. <laughs> that about right? It feels about right. What angle so, do you yeah. want to? <laughs> we well, unfortunately, have... they seem to be firing it at the exact angle of uh, male replacement therapy. That seems to be the angle that they're firing at. <laughs> but people are worried, like, they go, oh, Darwin, you know, it can reach Darwin. People, well, I'm not worried because Darwin can be a warning for the rest of us, right? Yeah. That's the way you're going to take it. And... <laughs> you, no. You're willing to make that sacrifice. It's a sacrifice, you, yeah. And if, eventually if the, if the missile keeps getting longer and longer, I can see a day when we all live in Tasmania. Yeah. For example. Suddenly Hobart becomes more attractive, doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> and Kim Jong, I know he cops, a, he cops a fair bit, Kim Jong, but his dad was an incredible person, you can remember. So let me take you through some of his dad's achievements, and this will explain why, hence the, uh, the, the missile was uh, 
uh, you know, built and, and rocket off. His dad, in primary school, he often corrected his teachers on history. By the time he was in high school, he had written 1,500 books, or, as well as penning six full operas in two years. <laughs> uh, King, his father was also a, a star of the sporting arena. He, uh, he first picked up a golf club in 1994, and uh, at North Korea's only golf course, he shot 38 under par. <laughs> yeah, amazing. That included no fewer than 11 wow. holes in one. Wow. Satisfied with his performance, he immediately declared his retirement from the sport. Yeah. Right? So my point is, Kim Jong, he, his dad was basically achieved everything, and this is his way of saying, hey, listen, my missiles go further. Right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's, my missile's it. bigger than your <laughs> missile. <laughs> that's what it seems like to me. All right, that is the person who uh, has got a message to send to Darwin. Who has embraced a style called modern presidential? <laughs> okay, this is, again, uh, every time we come to uh, TJF, it's always uh, has to be, Donald yeah. Trump has Donald to be Trump. in here somewhere. Um, it's, it's about Donald Trump and uh, him defending himself using the uh, Twitter and you know, modern day social media sort of uh, things, if you like. Well, some people say it's unpresidential, don't they? Well, some do, but I think it's the, it's, why not? That's, that's my, my thing is one, he has 33 million followers. So uh, what a platform. Plus, whatever he tweets, he instantly gets um, discussed and shared. So, in effect, it's reaching. Many millions more. Um, so, but what, what do people expect? Do they expect him to use the old-fashioned way? He's there doing a speech and go, excuse me, uh, I've got a beeper coming through or, um, you know, oh, I've got a, my page is going off. You've got to go with the times. And the question I have for you is this. Do you think he's using the opportunity as President of the United States of America to further his interests? Well, let me look at his Twitter again. 33.3 million followers and who does he follow? Less than 50 people, including Donald Trump Jr., Trump National Doral, Trump Hotel Chicago, Trump Waikiki, Official Team Trump, Trump Organization, Trump Golf, Tiffany Trump, Trump Los Angeles, and in fact, anything with the word Trump in it, plus Piers Morgan. <laughs> you sometimes get the feeling that when he presses send on his tweet, yeah. his phone beeps because <laughs> he just sent it to himself. Yeah. <laughs> And then you get so excited to read again. That is such a good point. Yeah. That is, who made that point? That is a good point. Yeah, and he probably... Good point, he, well made. And he would favourite all of them. And if he was on Facebook, he'd like his own status, like, far too much because that's, that's what he does, loves his own status. But it's just... And he, he posted that, that video footage of CNN, of a, of a wrestling, something that happened in the WWE wrestling. Yeah, that was so weird, wasn't it? Yeah. So odd. And because he he's claims... Punch, that, he's sort of punching out an avatar of a yeah, CNN well, they've, reporter. They've put, it was a, a staged thing that happened at a WWE event years ago. And uh, they've they rejigged it, so they've put a CNNNN uh, logo <laughs> on top of the head of the man that he was fake wrestling. So he's tackling CNN. I think it's CNN. I'm sorry, that was the show I was on. It was a chaser. Heaps better. So CNN, and and so it's kind of like you look at it; it's so juvenile. It's the kind of reaction, you know, on a four-year-old when you say, when you go, shut up. No, you shut up. Yeah, You're an idiot. No, you are. He's doing that to the world. Yeah, um, that's not very presidential. Oh, shut up. You aren't. I'll show you presidential. Here's a video of me at a wrestling match. If it doesn't prove that everything Donald Trump does is fake, I don't know what does. Okay, so hang on. We've got Kim Jong-un, according to the Tar here, trying to out-missile his father, and now we've got Trump trying to out-missile CNN. Absolutely. and it's it's But it's also, and then he, he tweeted all that terrible stuff about about the, the host of um, on that program, yeah, yeah, uh, the yeah. Joe Show, uh, whatever uh, her name, Mika, I think it was. And, she'd and, had a plastic surgery. And that she, you know, there's bleeding. no way I'd invited her because she was bleeding from having a facelift. And you just think, like, it's so juvenile. It's the behaviour of children. But he also used it to give advice. Like in this North Korea instance, he's um, detesting missiles. He's saying, oh, China and Japan, I wouldn't take that if I were you. Like on Twitter. <laughs> he says on, he says on I Twitter, take that. I think China should... Bring out some sort of heavy yeah, move. I love it. Heavy move, that sort of well-known presidential defence term. And, and can I just say, whilst we're on the subject of Trump, something that, that's been in my, and I mean, people who listen to TJF will know, it's when he visited with the Panamanian president. Did anybody see when Trump visited with the Panamanian president? Uh, well, he did, and I, my family is from Panama. And uh, it was interesting, he sat there with the Panamanian president, and this made me so proud of my people. Uh, and he said to him, Trump took credit for building the Panama Canal. <laughs> He said, we did a good job there, didn't we? We did a good job. We did it was, a good job. It wasn't Kim Jong's father? And I'm sorry, no. It was people like my great-grandfather, Raphael, who moved all the way from Spain to Panama and staved off yellow fever and, you know, lived in the worst possible conditions and fear of death, separated from his wife and child for years. She then came over to look for him because she couldn't find him. It's people like him, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> 
that built mm. the Panama Canal. <laughs> he had the shovel. Back on it was a man, a plan, a canal, Panama. You don't have any of those, Trump. None whatsoever. <laughs> the day Unamuno seizing back yes. the glory for her and, family. And, that's what, and, and I love that the Panamanian president said, yeah, well, that was 100 years ago. So good on you, man. <laughs> All right, last question from this week's news. Who caused a bit of a racket when he confessed to being bored? Look, uh, he, uh, Bernard Tomic. Uh, is our uh, subject uh, here at the moment. And, you know, a lot of people are giving him flack, but I personally would like to thank him (laughs) for saying out loud what a lot of us have been thinking for a long time. (laughs) He's right. He is so right. Tennis is boring. (laughs) It's deeply boring. Uh, The the only fun that I have watching Wimbledon is watching the turf slowly wear. I love watching it in week one, and by the time they get to the finals, you can see where most of the activity takes place. We have to agree to disagree here, Tommy. I'm sorry. You're you're a tennis fan, I'm I'm a sports fan in general. No, no, don't try to draw this into sports. (laughs) We're talking about tennis. Sport. And it's interesting, I love, there's something really, I love when Wimbledon starts because it's winter, you know, the weather turns and it's on late and you're sitting there with the heater on. And winter in Australia, summer. In a, in, well, yeah. summer, obviously summer over there. Well, kind of, <laughs> their version of. Uh, but it's, I think it's really thrilling. But for somebody to be paid that much money um, and to be bored with what they're doing, people do that every day. Like it happens in every part of people's lives. There are lots of people who don't enjoy their job, but they will take the money happily at the end of the, of the week, right? But the thing is, he's got other people relying on him to do well and play well, like sponsors. He's been dropped by a sponsor already. Mm, um, one of sponsors racket, dropped yeah. him. The tennis rackets, yeah, they've dropped him and stuff. But I just think, again, children. We're all behaving like children. And I think, look, I, I'm sure you're right. There's some, you know, some bank manager somewhere who gets paid a lot of money and secretly is bored with his life, but he doesn't say it out loud, no, does he? No, he doesn't. Well, I don't know, but maybe to his dog. But, uh, you know, it's just... <laughs> This is why he should be frustrated today. I, 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 I agree, Commander. I, 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 I don't mind. Like I'm, I'm a Tommy on this. I, yeah. I don't, look, as a society, we've been trained for our sports stars to try their best, fight to the death. And when one of our stars, I use that term loosely, um, <laughs> decided to bark against the trend, we, we, we went, yeah, he was super honest. Like, the press conference was fantastic. I, loved, I, I was actually watching this game. It was very lackluster. But, um, but who's he playing for? Is he playing for himself? Is he playing for Australia? It's not he Davis said Cup. he's playing for the money. Exactly, he's playing for the money. His parents are from Croatia and Serbia. That should be an excuse in itself. <laughs> but he's confused. He's not sure what's going on. Um, <laughs> he didn't at the press conference. <laughs> at the press conference, he didn't pull out old cliches. He just said the, the truth. We we always want the truth from our sports stars. And when he first started, you know what Tommy's first his aims were when he first started tennis? He said he wanted to be number one in the world and buy a Ferrari. Right? <laughs> Obviously the first one he can't achieve, right? It's gone. <laughs> um, second one is achieved. And the thing is this, he says this, this is what he said, which I love this prayer conference. He said he'll play for another eight to ten years. Right? So he that's the best part. I love that part. He trashed tennis and he said, No, 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 I'm gonna keep this up for another eight to ten years. <laughs> I'm bored, but I don't care. I'm gonna keep this up. Right? He plans to put himself through this torture. <laughs> For no, nearly another decade. Um, that takes commitment and courage. <laughs> Five-star hotels, courtesy cars, expensive restaurants. We've got to lord this guy. Totally <laughs> <laughs> <I> agree. <laughs> so here, Tommy, Rebecca. I'm Thank God It's Friday. Thank God It's Friday with Richard Glover. Talking about real sporting heroes. Matthew Mitchum is here. Good afternoon. <laughs> Olympic champion in the diving, gold medalist, still the greatest uh, result in the 10-metre dive, now turned cabaret star. You gave up uh, professional diving, Olympic diving, I think January last year. What's Mm -hmm. it been like finding a new direction for yourself? Horrific. (laughs) Absolutely shocking. Um, But it makes for great material for a new show. Mm. But you'd have found found the Olympic-level diving pretty boring, wouldn't you? Yes, well, I mean, that's inevitably what ended up leading to me, you know, searching for greener pastures. It's just I haven't quite found them yet. (laughs) Didn't quite get rich from diving. Uh, Cabaret, well, we'll see. Um, But yes, so, well, actually, this topic of Burnatomic is really relevant to what this show is actually about because we do touch on 
on these themes of, um, you know, of athlete psychology, what it's like, you know, we see athletes just crash and burn after they retire so many times because of loss of identity and loss of structure in their lives. And, um, and so we unpack that a little bit because, you know, it's not like any athlete goes, you know what, there's something I've always wanted to do. And that's to, uh, you know, to get a drinking habit, to get a divorce, lose my kids and go to jail. I've always wanted to do that. Always. <laughs> I, I love the subtitle of the show. It's, if you can't be a good example, be a horrible warning. <laughs> it's very apt. <laughs> it's fantastic. Tell us, let's talk about the cabaret in a second. Just, just take us to the, an Olympic dive. Uh, we've talked before about... Um, suburban diving pools and how when you're a kid you go up that long, long set of stairs to the 10-metre diving thing and you think you can do it because it looks quite it looks quite short from mm. when you're on the ground but when you get up there and you look over the edge, it's the, it's the furthest down you've ever, ever seen. Yeah, perspective, the one thing that defies physics. It's just it's mind-boggling, isn't it? And I started to... I, I never had that when I was younger... Um, you know, as a 13-year-old, when you jump off, fearless, totally fearless, and I was. And then I guess the faster I approached 30, the more that self-preservation mechanism started to kick in. And, and I was standing on the edge of the 10-metre one day, upside down on my hands, going, I could die. I could, re- I could die right now. Surely there are better things to be doing with <laughs> my life. So um, that's when I thought, yeah, maybe I should start thinking about my life after. Well, at suburban pools, they made when you when you were a ten year old boy like me, they would make you dive by lining up seventeen seven year old girls behind you, <laughs> force you to dive. That wouldn't have worked for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> have you ever done the belly flop? Have you ever managed to just? Oh my yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, I have hit the platform in the middle of a dive a couple of times with my feet, and when you do that. By the time you realise that you've hit, you've done another somersault and a half, and then so by, you just get completely lost. And so I came out much too late, hit the water as flat as flat could be, did not sink below the surface, almost bounced off the surface, really. And, um, and just this white flash and then this ringing, and then my face started to swell. <laughs> when did this happen? Uh, a few times, actually. Um, mostly, the, the, the echo is still continuing in that swimming pool. <laughs> in my head, it is. Yeah, um, that was that. That was another chalk up to the you know the cons of continuing to dive. Yeah, I love the idea that of all because cabaret is a very game thing. It's a bit like stand up comedy. It's a very game thing. You you must be just thinking, oh well, this isn't too hard. <laughs> you know, it's it's you need to be fearless. Incredibly fearless in diving. Yeah, uh, yes, you do need to be fearless in diving um, because it's, I guess, kind of like tennis. Maybe it's uh, it's a sport where your head can really get in the way, and um, and I I um, did very well at not having a brain for a good two decades, and then. Uh, Damn it! I just started to grow yeah. one right there, right towards yeah. the end. Is, that, is a brain going to help him in the world of cabaret and stand-up comedy? Oh, and really? Absolutely. <laughs> you can die in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying so up here. You're going to do something from the show. What are you going to do for us? Um, so I'm going to do a, a, a fabulous song that um, was basically the soundtrack to my childhood. Um, my mum and I voluntarily uh, lived without electricity for six months. Well, when I say voluntarily, my mum did it voluntarily. I had no choice in the matter because I was five years old. Um, and so she bought this old wind-up gramophone. Well, why did she live without electricity? Uh, she had to pay... Well, she lived in South Australia or something. No, well, <laughs> that would have been, yeah. Um, no, she had to pay an, like an extra disconnection fee even though they, because the bill was so late, even though they hadn't come out and disconnected it yet. And she was like, that's not fair, you haven't disconnected it. And they're like, well, sorry, that's just the way it is. And so she's like, well, come and disconnect it then. So, um, yeah, she's very stubborn. Um, if you're A woman intri- of principle. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, we're totally cut off her nose to spite her face um, and tell you that it's the right thing to do and she looks better that way anyway. So um, so she bought a wind-up gramophone and um, for some reason only bought two records to go with it um, and so this was one of the songs. Fantastic. From his new show, Under the Covers, which plays at the Hayes Theatre from July 19 to 23, here is Matthew Mitchum. Ma chambre à la forme d'une cage 
Le soleil passe son bras par la fenêtre Les chaussures m'apportent Comme les petits soldats qui veulent me prendre Je ne veux pas travailler Je ne veux pas déjeuner Je veux seulement t'oublier Et puis je fume Je ne suis pas fier de sa vie Qui veut me tuer C'est magnifique être sympathique Mais je ne le connais jamais It's French <laughs> Je ne veux pas travailler, non Je ne veux pas déjeuner Je veux seulement t'oublier Et puis je fume Key change Je ne veux pas travailler, non Je ne veux pas déjeuner Je veux seulement t'oublier Et puis je Thank you. Go, Matthew Mitchell. Thank you so much. Thank God it's Friday on your radio on ABC Local Radio. Tommy Dean, Rebecca De Unamuno Tar here. Our wonderful audience. Thank you for coming. Okay, now we get to it. Uh, now that everyone, now that everyone's left, we can get to the really serious stuff, which is this. There's new research this week from the University of California. It's confirmed that bacteria in our guts can determine everything from mental health to obesity, with some now calling the human gut our second brain. So strong are the findings this week that some are studying, this is true, the role of faecal transplants, a poo transfer from someone who is thin and happy as a way of resetting your body. Have you suspected your gut might be determining your personality? And how might you use this new technology to improve things? Rebecca? Well, I'm used to having people hanging shit on me, but this is a... (laughs) Not making a donation. Not making a donation. I 100% agree with this whole study. Um, I discovered this myself. I should have published my findings. About eight years ago, I I decided (laughs) I wanted to... I should have. Um, I wanted to lose weight, and uh, I ended up losing 30 kilos Mm -hmm. uh, over two years. Um, And the first thing that I was told to focus on was my gut health. It was the very, very first thing. So as a result now, um, you know, if I have someone, you know, staying at my house or whatever, they look at my morning ritual and it's not, it's not attractive. It's not great. <laughs> I'm not going to go into great. It's not, not that bad. Uh, so a shot of liquid chlorophyll, first thing, 20 mil yeah. shot of liquid chlorophyll because that is an alkalizer. But well, that grass basically, is it? It's, cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, chlorophyll okay. is like the well, yeah, yeah okay. it's contained yeah. in plant oh, matter. Okay. It's yeah. the green stuff, so it stains everything. So be careful. Followed it, it by technically, it's green cordial, but she doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're ripping me off twenty-two <laughs> bucks for it then. And then probiotics on top of that with warm lemon water, and you feel amazing. And the weight just dropped off. And I, I mean, it was oh, a, poo transfer is going to be a lot easier. Poo than transfer that. is a lot easier, but I. Whole breakfast, so chlorophyll. No, no. Then you and then you you have that right that starts your day, and then yeah, and then it's and then it's like burgers, fries, just go for it. But as long as I went for a walk in the afternoon, it That's was all right. All good, yeah. But you know, it keeps you regular, like clockwork. It's amazing, and the gut health huge. So I'm I'm thank you for bringing up this story. So bacteria. This is the bacteria, and, and different people have different bacteria, and they've now studied yes. that a person with this sort of bacteria is going to be thin and happy. A person with that sort of bacteria bacteria is going to be unhappy, depressed, maybe overweight. Yeah, exactly. But I want to know if you can meet, do you meet your your poo donor? (laughs) Like, like, I know, you know when people go, oh, they've got a heart transplant and here's the lovely person who donated their heart to you. And it's a moving moment where you meet each other and they listen to the heartbeat, you know, like and all that kind of the sun or whatever. (laughs) This is... Do you do you have a photo opportunity? With your, and with if somebody oh, no, going, it's somebody going to invite a, 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 a Tinder for poo donors. Well, That's right. Sw- swipe right or swipe left. And instead of getting unsolicited pics of certain male genitalia, you just get stool samples. <laughs> no, I, stool I agree. Samples. I think this is not only the future. I, I think it's going to be you know face not well face to face is not exactly anatomically how it'll work. Um, 
<laughs> cheek to cheek. There'll actually be flanges, you know. We're going to basically, you're going to meet your perfect poo donor, and then you will dock like the International Space Station. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. That is going to be exciting. You know, you're saying just get the doctors out of this. Well, I just think, I just think, you know, direct direct transfer is where it's going to be. <laughs> just, you know, but, uh, give it a go. I think, you know, I think it'll be. And there's also the, the assumption that people who are thin are happy. Yeah. Well, I think they're Isn't both they? separate things. They're separate. Uh, the, you, the, the, the gut bacteria in the scientific study is associated with both things, mm. but separately. So. Oh, that's a good right. point. There's so you might have be... to find somebody who's both happy, happy and then a separate person who's thin. That's yeah, what I agree. Right. This is going to be like, this is like swirl <laughs> ice cream technology. Like Mr. Squiggle, we'll put like three people will come in, then it'll come down the chute, it'll perfectly reconvene itself into the, into the rainbow stripe of what you need. But they'll blend it. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is like this is. What? You so think boost juice like is something? Gee, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't have a daiquiri at that medical practice's Christmas party, would you? But if you, if you have still... to have two, I mean, that's that's like having a number two donor, mm. which is kind of an oxymoron in itself because that's what they're doing. It's going to change um, language. Imagine it will no longer be an insult to say to someone, "You are full of crap." <laughs> Can I have some? You're going to be excited, exactly. <laughs> you're full of my crap. That's right. You think um, your crap doesn't stink? Oh, good point. <laughs> but I to love this. It says. Bacteria in our guts can, t- can determine yep. our level of obesity. Well, I, would have, I have news for the scientists. I would have thought visually seeing one's guts <laughs> can instantly determine the level of obesity. Mm. Visually mm. seeing, you don't have to go inside, that. right? Mm. So um, I, 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 if I saw someone with a large gut, I can say, well, that's obese. Mm. <laughs> I don't have to go inside <laughs> to determine whether a person is obese or not. I can tell from the outside. But we, what we learned earlier from... Its <laughs> perspective is everything. So maybe maybe we're seeing the world wrong. Maybe what we see as obese at a at a molecular gut level is just repressed happiness. I, I was. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am so happy. <laughs> when, when we talked about the science of this this week, the, the professor said that in our gut there's something like a kilo of bacteria. Isn't that amazing? That's a kilo of bacteria in a normal mm. human being's and do you, reckon, do you reckon this would lead to like undergr- like a black market a, a, like literally a poo black market and instead of and like people being you know they talk about like people harvesting organs and stuff on yeah. trains on yeah. long journeys and stuff is there actually is somebody actually going to come along and threaten to beat the crap out of you <laughs> <laughs> thank God brother uh, now it comes time for the wheel of death when our lovely audience to our studios here at Ultimo they Random topics onto the chocolate wheel. The random topics this week being Greek rhubarb security red button germs, is it or gems? Gems. 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 Scooter. Skiing. Chocolate. Uh, internet. Drums. Cricket. What? Said internet with a big question mark, like you never heard the word internet. <laughs> I'm trying to read that. Writing of whoever transcribed these. Internet. Drums. Cricket. Coke, gin, and asteroids. Uh, Rebecca, do you know which yes. ones fill you full of fear? Oh, asteroids do just because they're scary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they all look fun. And they might test your scientific and knowledge. And they may they test may, my scientific knowledge. They may. Let's internet. see oh, which internet. one comes up for Rebecca de Unamuno on the Wheel of Death. Today's oh, internet. topic internet, internet. <laughs> is the internet. No, uh, is, is, I'll try to say it with surprise as if I've never heard of it before. It is Security? 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 Who who suggested security? (laughs) Ah, because we we have a lot of it these days, don't we, at the ABC? Thank you, Quadrant Magazine. (laughs) That was security. (laughs) They heard you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, Rebecca, security security is your topic. Security, all right, here we go. (laughs) Let's see who comes out. (laughs) Sorry, let's just get... She's not talking about the poo anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, good day. My name's Phil. I am a high-end security guard. Uh, I have worked all the major department stores. Uh, I am now working with a lesser-chained department store that has generic products that rhyme with the products that actually exist. <laughs> like Tom-Toms. <laughs> anyway, uh, security, the art of security. I got into security because first people looked at me and thought I was just terribly unhappy and then realised, no, I've just got a big gut. <laughs> they said, that makes you intimidating. 
and slightly sad. So why don't you go and stand out the front of that store there and just guard things and check people's bags? Now, I have a thing, right? If a bag that a woman's carrying doesn't appear to be big enough to uh, keep the products that we ourselves stock, I won't ask her to show her bag because that's just ridiculous. I'm just saying that because I've observed it myself. <laughs> if she's walking in with a huge shopping bag slung over the shoulder, then yes, she can ask to see that because often we find that certain things go missing in our stores. Sometimes by staff members, other times by just general public who are desperate to get a deal. Now, uh, there's a few things you need to know when uh, being a security uh, guard. There's a few things that you need to keep in mind. It's a daily routine. I wake up in the morning and then I quickly go back to sleep. (laughs) When I eventually do get up, I don't take any plant form or any probiotic crap. No, not me. I just chug a beer and fart. (laughs) Then it's time to get off to work. Now, it's a real art form, security, don't get me wrong. You've got to have an eagle eye. You've got to be like that. Was that an eagle? I, think that was, I don't know what that was, Tyrannosaurus Rex or something. Triceratops. Anyway, you've got to have an eagle eye. You've got to be able to spot things. And you've got to be able to good judge a character, right? Because like, I can see a gentleman just standing, sitting here right here right now, Sarah, and just from looking at you, you look stern. You look like somebody who's like, it's only because this is really bad, and you're just looking at me like, what are you talking about? But... I would be instantly, uh, well, let's just say, I would back down from you, sir, because uh, I'm not going to take you on because you've got an attitude about you. There's your first tip. Second tip, if you walk in all smiles, all fancy and everything, I'm not going to fall for that. Some grandmothers steal a lot of stuff. (laughs) I've seen it with my own eyes. Can I ask, Gaza? Yes. uh, What sort of equipment do you use? Well, that's a bit personal, mate, but... uh, (laughs) Mostly my arms and my head. <laughs> Things go, you know, not, or their head. But either way, if I can get them in a headlock, I can ram them into a shelf. They're out like that and the cops come. Yep. <laughs> Any other questions? Keep firing them away. Come on. You stepped in here a it was a press conference. Well, I just, I thought, you know, I thought, you know, there's so much good equipment only available on the market. But what, uh, what was, uh, what do you think the worst thing that ever happened to you was worst, on, on oh, duty? Oh, worst thing that ever happened to me was Christmas. I hate that time of year. Every year I hate Christmas. Every 12 months, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. There's nothing like, I don't have kids myself. In fact, I hate them. So, you know, having them running around shopping centres and stuff like that, jeez, oh, nah, pull them in. Oh, hello, you're in here. Yeah, yeah. where are you from? Is there a, it's a natural progression in your job. Do you go from, you know, being a security guard to social security? <laughs> to think of myself out uh, here as a little bit of a role reverser because I went from social security to security <laughs> and in just one job application. It was quite amazing. It was quite incredible. And, uh, yeah, oh, no, I like to progress. I started on the night shift. I'm now doing day shift. That's a huge step up because uh, I'll get to, you know, live a proper life. You know, I'll get to watch things at night. <laughs> Did I mention I, I look at my neighbours too? <laughs> just surveil everything, including my own street. Oh, you got another question. Uh, your, your dream uh, j- j- shift? <laughs> my dream shift. Wait, what's your ultimate goal here? Well, my ultimate goal, well, my ultimate goal is to become a tennis player. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God it's. Unusually random. We <laughs> it was like we just switched over to the news, wasn't it? It was amazing. <laughs> Who was that man? Now, the World Table Tennis Championships are underway on the Gold Coast this week. The competition being broadcast to 50 million people worldwide. Now, the top-level game is pretty different to the ping-pong played in countless suburban garages. So here's my question. What was the game... You played in your garage or rumpus room, and were you any good? Tommy Dean. Oh, we played a game called, uh, I think you call it Brandings here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we called it Butts Up uh, was the game. It's basically you had a tennis ball, and you throw it against the wall, and then your opponent or opponents, the next person had to field it in one hand and return it to the wall, and were you to fail to catch the ball cleanly, uh, you had to approach the wall and uh, bend down such that your butt was up, and then everyone else got to throw the tennis ball as hard as they could at your bottom. And then um, would they collect fecal transplant material? Well, out? we didn't know. That's what was surprising is we didn't realize at the time that that was why we were always so happy playing. <laughs> like parents thought we were crazy, but we just we just never could get enough of it. We just couldn't. Sometimes. And I'm not proud to say this, 
Sometimes he would drop the ball on purpose. Controversial. <laughs> That's how it starts. <laughs> so was this uh, played at your house or did you have to go to a neighbour's house to play it? Oh, play? anybody that had a house with a wall. <laughs> Good. And I mean, that sounds crazy, but a lot of houses didn't have the, the sidewall you needed or if, you know, the garage door was, just didn't quite have the flashback. You know, we used to play at a friend's house on his garage door and his dad hated that. Oh, man, he hated that. Well, that'd make a bit, a bit too much sound. It annoyed, but the yeah. ball didn't come off of the, you know, the, the wall because it has those, it was a roller door uh, garage that so has those corrugated corrugations mm-hmm. so the ball would fly off at weird angles you don't want that um, and, and, and to be fair and now that I'm a parent as well there is probably something I'll be disconcerting about seeing a variety of young gentlemen um, <laughs> hammering tennis balls into each other's butts at speed <laughs> in the neighborhood see, see uh, when Mr. Turnbull described Mr. Abbott as the gentleman that you describe I didn't know that yeah, was the but reference but that was one. clearly it was uh, Tahir did you play a game in the rumpus room in the garage uh, in the... Well, not really I mean, I remember one time we did try to set up a table tennis table but we had a double garage one side was just packed full of stuff and the other side we barely got the table in and then once we realised we got the table in and there was more stuff everywhere we didn't have there was no room for the players to stand basically, so you had to crawl under the table and then once you got in a position you couldn't move. <laughs> so there's angles were out of the question, right? You couldn't do any angles. So we did, most of our games were in the park next door, we, and we used to be very inventive. Um, the old like mow the cricket pitch, tennis court, all that sort of stuff. And recently, this is a true story, family picnic. I uh, at a at public park, I got the lawnmower out, out of the boot, right. <laughs> Now, the first thing with that story is that I actually thought about it. So that means I had to actually plan it, put the lawnmower in, and commit to this, I'm going to do this. So in, a, in a public park? In a public park. So I brought out much of the embarrassment of the whole family, the kids and all that sort of stuff, and I, I proceeded to mow a cricket pitch in a public park, right? <laughs> this is a true story we got on video. <laughs> and I sat on the lowest setting possible. Uh. So there was dust and smoke going over everyone's picnic. Um, <laughs> and this is sort of the games we played. <laughs> Well, just so we're clear, the game that you play is park maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> but I did in a public park. I couldn't believe it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was bizarre. Well, why, was you, why were your folks, uh, why were your parents' garage so full of stuff? What was in there? I remember oh, this one weekend we went to a wedding with a weed whacker. <laughs> no, we just told trimmed you. the edges of our. <laughs> no, I've told you this before, Richard. Like, the, the ethnic garage is just full of stock, right? <laughs> there's washing machine, toilet paper. Like, there's just, just in case, uh, the, <laughs> just in case a missile comes, right? Um, <laughs> it's full of stock. Um, yeah, kids these days, they don't, they don't need to be creative. We used to play a game, I don't, know, I don't know what the name is, but let's call it polling. Hmm. Anybody, there's no, no, nobody used to play that game here. Get, get the worst kid, the victim, on the street. And just open his legs up. Everybody grabs him, and then finds a pole and just poles him. That was it. Well, yeah, run, exactly. R- runs him into a pole. Runs him in a pole. I don't know what the aim of the game was, <laughs> but it was just a uh, it, was, it was polling, right? Some people nodding, other people just don't know about the game. We had a similar. We didn't. We, that sounds a little bit more violent than the one we played. We would uh, tie a kid uh, to like you know the the, the tether ball. Do you have tether ball courts where it's like, like a pole? That I had- have. Tie against a pole? Yeah, well, a pole, and then you had a, a volleyball tied to a string, and you hit the volleyball such that it swung around the pole. But when the ball fell off, we would tie that to Chuck, and we would play Tether Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, do not try these games at home. Uh, Rebecca, yeah, can we move on from these incredibly violent, uh, as played by... Yeah, played, yeah, all yeah. these helicopter parents. Yeah. The, 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 the two gentlemen on children. the panel, members of the yes. Clockwork Orange crew. Very, very violent. Um, uh... We used to, I used to, I think I've spoken about this before, but I used to be very um, creative at home and uh, I invented a dance school. I had the Langshaw School of Dance. I had no students, but I had an enrolment book. Um, Is it all in your own own uh, head? All in my, I know, I actually made the book. With a label, Debbie Langshaw was my name, the Langshaw School of Dance. I used to pretend that the house was like a, a different place and I'd um, endow all my family as different members of the community. <laughs> so I would say to my dad, well, hello there, Mr Beaker. Uh, we'll do, like, just chat to them like they were characters. This is a game for one. This is a game for one, but you can include others. The father's thinking, 
I'd rather be back digging the Panama Canal. <laughs> it's, it's 100 years ago, Richard. <laughs> but, um, but then as a family, we loved playing games together as a family. Sundays for us was always that, the chance to get together. Like we play LPs. Dad would only ever have two beers um, and uh, two sabbaths. And uh, we'd listen to, you know, Billy Joel songs and you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we'd play games like um, Connect Four was a big one in our house, Connect Four. And it's a really simple premise. You've just got to connect four colours together. But it's, it's, it gets so competitive. It's amazing. Uh, love that. Love There's the one where you got the little coins. You You've got like yellow and yeah. um, uh, red uh, coins and you have to put them into the slot and they slide in and you have to get um, four of the same colour in a row, either horizontally, vertically or diagonally. Great game. And the best thing is... No wonder you were forced to invent a dance I know, that's what I was going to say. But we had other board games, like Hungry Hungry Hippos was another favourite of ours. Gosh, that that was a violent game. That used to get a lot. Just bash it to try and get the hippos to get as many of the marbles as possible. We played Boggle, Boggle for the word games. That was always fun. Uno was my dad's favourite because that was the first time he could say to us, that means one. So, because Spanish speaker and we didn't speak Spanish, so when we said let's play Uno and we went, what's that? He goes, you know, it means one. And we went, oh, that's right, you're foreign. Um, <laughs> oh, totally forgot. And also in your surname, right? Also my surname, yeah, yeah, yeah Day Uno and, um, and Sesame Street Fair was another favourite game. It was the Sesame Street community on a board. Loved it. We played so many different things. But my brother and I invented a game that we were quite proud of and we would clear the kitchen table a little further and we had tiles on the kitchen floor. And my brother had a lot of those um, army salt, you know, those plastic army men and little tiny barricades and things, and we did nothing with them. And one day he just went, oh, I'm going to throw these out. And I said, hang on, let's play a game. So we split <laughs> them up and he had some and I had some. We went to opposite ends of the kitchen. We cleared the table so we had all these... And then we had marbles. And the aim was to just roll the marble along the kitchen floor and try and knock over. Mm. As, it was like 10-pin bowling. Oh, no, now it sounds See, again, weird, I think but... that is a, an excellent uh, marker of the difference between men and women because we used to do a similar thing with our army men. We would set the army men up at opposite sides of the kitchen, uh, but then we would fire bottle rockets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's okay because the similar, very similar, <laughs> very similar. Well, very the similar. loser of this game, we rammed into a pole. So that was all. It was all yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really simple. <laughs> it was also a way to meet the, uh, you know, the emergency services. <laughs> Absolutely, that was nice. But some, but some of those guys, like those seeing, I remember at school, like seeing guys do things like that to each other. And I remember having a, a group of friends at school, a group of guy, guy friends who I was one of the fellas and they decided, they would do those things to me as well. I was, if we're going to have a go at someone, we're going to have a go at everyone. Equal opportunity. Equal opportunity. Yeah. So it would be like, you'd have to run too when everybody was like, and I loved it. It was great because I was volunteer. really fast. Like we played rock baseball as well. Like, you know, it was kind of like cricket, baseball. only you had a stick. Uh, usually like a plank from a fence, and then people throw rocks at you, and you had to bat them away so they didn't hit you. <laughs> That's good. It's very similar to cricket. Hmm. In that you don't get paid. <laughs> Life before the internet, ladies and gentlemen. People had to make their own fun, usually involving violent crime to each other. Uh, we have Tommy Dean, Rebecca De Unamuno, and Tahir, and our wonderful audience. Thank you for coming. Uh, just quickly, the Christian community has called on Facebook to introduce a Christian emoji to match the rainbow flag. What movements, emotions and mental states have yet to be represented in emoji form? And what are some of the emojis you'd like but to see? But first off, seriously, yes. if the Christians want emoji equality, mm. then they're going to have to come to the table. <laughs> when they give them marriage equality, they can have emoji equality. <laughs> There's no way they have any argument right now. To be saying anything along the lines of, how dare the gays have something we don't have? <laughs> <laughs> what emojis cranky. do we want? They have, they have. I can't, what, how many emojis do they want? Well, how many the, emojis do you want? Oh, oh, me. I, want, I don't want any emojis. <laughs> in fact, nothing is freaking me out more than the fact that every time I type a word in my text in my iPhone, yeah. a picture comes up. Yeah, yeah. Like every time it slows me down. I go, do you want to have pizza? And there's something that's like, dude, there's a question mark, picture of a pizza, a clown head. I don't even know what I said. Why is there a clown head? What does that do anything? Why is this eggplant coming up? I don't, I don't want any more emojis. I like letters. I didn't realise how much I like letters. Tahir, do you want to you know, there's some missing emojis? I, definitely. I think it's been addressed. We don't have enough. Sometimes it's confusing. You could be on Facebook, for example, and the, the like and dislike button and, and the picture's just not enough. Um, someone will put down, oh, well, it's been 10 years since my, da- since my dad passed away. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what to do. Do you go, well, do you like that? Yeah, I like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you love it now. I, feel, I love you, that. You feel weird. You go, oh, I love that. Good on you. Uh, but I think um, 
there should be an emoji for I don't give a shit. <laughs> that would be the best emoji. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. someone yeah. tweets their food, what they're eating. Perfect. I don't give a shit, right? <laughs> like, they're at the airport. They show us where they're going, the ticket. Like, you know, they're all like, they, oh, my God, the ticket there at the airport. It's, so that one would cover... I think if you had that, that would cover many, many other emojis. We don't need any more. We just need yes, no, I don't give a shit. But given what we discussed earlier, that now suggests you're not a donor to the happiness program. <laughs> that, well, that's another meaning now, yeah. Tommy. That's another whole meaning. Re- Rebecca, what emojis do you want? Look, I'd really like to see um, a sarcasm emoji, uh, pe- but I don't think people would know how to take it. And, um, <laughs> and I really would love a mansplaining emoji. Because I'm sick and tired of posting things, you know, about my life and having a group of men have to explain to me what I need to do. Yeah, well, what you need to do about that is <laughs> explain it better and we won't have to correct you, Rebecca. Who are the winners and losers, Rebecca? Uh, the winners, the women, uh, Australian women cricket team uh, doing exceptionally yeah. well in the World Cup. And my, and my losers on the flip side of that is possibly the Australian men's team because with the pay dispute and everything, we've already missing out on the Australia A team going to the West Indies <laughs> and now it's good the Ashes and the, and the tour to India could be in, in crisis. This is bad. This is bad, guys. I know, I know you guys don't care, but I do. I do. I, do. I love the cricket. Send the women. That's what we should do. Tahir, who are the winners and losers? My winners this week, I loved it. The brutally honest press conference, I loved it. Winner. Um, the loser, the government and them four tunnel. It's open. It's, it's free for four weeks. And they've just tested it, and they claim it's 10 minutes quicker each way. It's a school holiday, you idiots. <laughs> Why don't they know that? <laughs> Tommy Jane, who are the winners? I'm deeply excited. Of course, uh, tomorrow, uh, the magic season that is the Sydney Swans back on track at the SCG tomorrow afternoon against the uh, Gold Coast Suns. That is going to be great. They're doing so well at the moment. Going so well. So, How many have they won? They've, they've won... won all of them except white one. <laughs> Um, Except the one that didn't matter. Well, they lost six, and then they won a bunch, and then they lost to Hawthorne, and then they won, 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 won. Uh, they've won a lot. Uh, they're, they're just outside the eight or just inside. I forget now. All I know is it's exciting. This is very, very exciting. Uh, so, so very exciting. Uh, it's so exciting. It is so exciting. <laughs> How exciting is it? How exciting is it? And the so loser? Oh, uh, there's no losers. There are no losers. Oh, maybe you know who I think probably the losers are uh, is all the fish about 930 kilometers off the coast of Korea <laughs> who keep getting assaulted <laughs> and his mad dictator. <laughs> Will no one think of the halibut? <laughs> Please thank Tommy Dean, Rebecca DeUnamuno, and Tahir. What are we Tipped up. Tipped up. Go and see Matthew Mitchum. His show, uh, Under the Covers, is playing the Hayes Theatre in Sydney from July 19 to 23. Uh, thanks for being part of TJF. Next week, Gene Kitson will be here. Tommy will be back. The song and dance man himself, Mike McClellan, will be here. I'm Richard Glover, and thank God it's Friday. Coming up on the radio, we've got some news, then PM, and then Andrew Moore with the footy. Until then, thank God it's Friday! Yeah. Yeah.